Somebody made a joke recently. Oh, David left. <laughs> David's, David's gone. He just he's like, he's that's like, it. I quit. I think he hit the wrong red button. <laughs> you think that's what he did? Maybe there he is. Oh, he's back. <laughs> did you hit the wrong red button? I hit the wrong red button. <laughs> he did. I hit end call. That's cool. Do we want to leave that in, or do we want to start again? Because yeah, we should totally leave that in. Are you recording now? So, so you did the same thing, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm recording now. No, yeah, no, no, no. no. I guess that's what you did. And that is what you did. Uh, that's yeah. funny. I'm like, Screw right. you guys. I'm out of here. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> well, we're here now, and that's all that matters. You're like, and goodbye. That's right. Well, what I was starting to say was that somebody made a joke the other day on our Discord server about how we were getting so close to making it 300. And the big event that we were going to have. And then I think you guys were talking about it on Twitter or something, yeah. David, mm-hmm. the other yeah, day. Yeah, I, I posted an old anyway. photo. Where are we having making yeah, it 300? Have we decided? Um, I think it's going to be a remote event. So right. everybody's going to have it from their own house on right. the same day. That's nice. When? Whatever day when? that episode We're going to have a giant out. Zoom? How uh, many wh- people can you have in a Zoom? <laughs> this is, I don't know. It would be terrible, though. I've been on one with maybe like 15 or 20 people, and it's just, it's nonsense. You can't understand anything. It's just people talking and clicking and stuff. This is 295, so we're close. Did you see the video going around yesterday of the lawyer, like, calling in to the judge? As a cat. And he had the cat <laughs> face. The funny thing is people don't realize is that the cat picks up the guy's features. So when his eyes are darting around and, the, and he talks, the cat's mouth is moving, which is unbelievably funny. Yeah. So that would be me. Anyway. That would be me, and I wouldn't know how to get out of it. Or you would pretend not to know how to get out of it. Just so you <laughs> That's right. Be a cat. Oh, you guys think I'm a techno? I tech, expect that. Technology guy in disguise. Kind of am. <laughs> kind of am. So. Well, how's it going? What's What's new with me? Uh, I'm going. I'm doing good. It's really cold here. It's like 20 degrees on the on the regular. It's uh, a little difficult. I started a barbecue build yesterday. I'm started this week. I started three builds, three videos. And I could talk a little bit about him. It kind of pertains to our subject today. But I started a barbecue build yesterday. Me and Mike, the fireman, we, we, the property that I bought that is the racetrack had a shooting gallery. It used to be a little bit of a carnival atmosphere there. And they had a, a shoot out the star thing with these little machine guns that shoot pellets. And they're run by compressors. So the, the hut that was the little garage that carried those those compre- that carried that arcade game <clears throat> had two burnt out compressors in it. One of them I gave to a friend and the other one just yesterday hasn't moved in probably 30 years, 25 years, this compressor. Me and Mike unbolted it, flipped it onto its side and we cut the head off and we pulled it out into the snow. And the whole time I'm thinking this is going to be a crazy video because it's going to start in a snowstorm. Me and Mike dragging this carcass of this compressor out into the snow and then hopefully it'll end with a sunny day i mean it's not going to end with leaves on the trees but at least hopefully the snow will be gone by the time it ends because i'm going to make a smoker it's a lincoln electric video we're going to make a big uh, hmm. barbecue smoker it's going to be it's huge it's like an 80 gallon tank it's huge for me but there are smokers that are thousand gallon tanks and those really long ones looks like a big giant pill, and there's four doors on it. I've been doing some research on making a smoker. 
So I started that yesterday, and, and it's just uh, thinking how ridiculous it's going to be when we start with one set of weather, one type of weather, and end up with a different type of weather, hopefully, because the video is going to take a couple of weeks. I got to try and get it done by mid-March, I hope. But I started that, and I started my leather video, which I've been talking about, and I'm making this sort of like push knife, shark's tooth knife for a double secret video, which hopefully will be done by Sunday, so you're going to have to tune in Sunday to see what it is. Double secret. Uh, Can't tell anybody. Double secret. Not just secret. secret. Double secret. Yeah. So I'm off to a good start. You know, you know, those, those Sundays where you think to yourself, God, I have so many things to do. I have to just jump right in tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, like at lunchtime, you're like, oh, I don't have anything to check off my checklist. So feeling pretty good about Hmm. getting a good start. So that's where I'm at. And it's Wednesday. It's like, I have the whole week ahead of me. I literally have like, it's like today is Monday for me, considering how much I got done the last two days. Hmm. That's a good feeling. That's cool. We've had some slow starts as far as weeks go the last year. (laughs) And uh, on on Sunday, I don't do much work on Sunday typically. Um, And then Sunday, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a really good productive week this week. So I went back to making my weekly checklist and making that checklist that night and then just waking up and just knowing what I need to do for that day and that week just it really does set the tone mentally for me and I was just like this is going to be a great week and then I got a lot of stuff done there's something about just having a list for me in front of my face makes me work more efficiently yeah that's something like I I always think about doing because you've talked about it a lot and it I enjoy having a list to be able to kind of keep track of it, but I, I rarely actually sit down and make the list. Like I want to, but then I get so, you know, I have this much time and I want to do this thing and I just jump right into it. Did I talk about the the adding a time to the lists the other day or a few weeks back? I don't think so. So, so um, for the past several months, I don't know exactly, uh, the guys have been working from home on Fridays. And... This started as a, like, I miss having any time here in my shop by myself. Because as soon as, like, my day's over, I go, I walk up the stairs and I see my family and I'm with them. And I try to, like, really separate the time of down here and up there. And when I'm down here, the guys are here and we're working on videos and all that stuff. But that means that I don't really have any just time to play around or experiment or clean up or code because that's time that's really not doesn't take advantage of anybody else's you know being here and being available and so we've started where on Fridays they'll work from home and do web stuff and editing and all that and then that gives me a time here just to kind of focus on the different things I want to do so to make the most of that I started trying to make some checklists like you were talking about and I found that I would make these lists and then at the end of Friday, I would have like one thing checked off at the very top, but it would be super checked off, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> double checked. What I decided to do a couple weeks back was say, I wrote out this big list of, I don't know, maybe eight or nine things. And I wrote next to them how much time I was going to spend on them. And it was like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, uh-huh. not very long. And with the idea being, I want to make progress on all these things, not finish any of them. And so I sat down and had the list in front of me, in front of my computer. 
set a timer for 15 minutes and I did that thing for 15. And then when that timer went off, I stopped and switched to the next thing. And it was so much more productive. Like I felt more productive. Maybe it actually wasn't. But I found that a lot of those things, because I knew there was a time limit on it, I was doing them faster. I would go through email much faster Hmm. and just get it done because I knew that like this is my chance to do email, you know, and I may not have extra time at the end of the day. The funny thing was that between all of the time that I wrote down on all the things on that list, it was maybe a total of three and a half hours or something. Like it wasn't even a full day. And so I ended up, I think it ended up being right after lunch, but basically around lunchtime, I had gotten through my checklist. Whereas if I had just left the times off and just started one, I probably would have focused on the first one Hmm. all day or at least, you know, until lunch or whatever. So that's the thing I'm going to start trying to do a little bit more. Just put a, a focus limit, you know, or focus time on each one of the tasks. I think the reason why there are thousands of books, like based on like, how to be more efficient at work and how to be productive and all this is because everybody is different and everybody has to trick themselves into different ways and, or just change (laughs) it up. Like one way might work for me for a little bit. And then like, I I'm bored. I need to, I need to change it up. You mentioned email and email is always kind of a pain for (laughs) a a lot of us. And I've, I realized like maybe over the last two years or so my email volume has probably been exactly the same but the amount of weight that i give it as far as like anxiety goes up so the value of email goes down Hmm. even though the volume of email has not Uh, and i think a few weeks ago you mentioned like i'm just going to do emails on fridays or or whatever you said and so i've been kind of doing that and that that helps like oh now is email day or email hour or whatever. I don't have a full day. I don't get that many emails, but I do try to do it in chunks instead of just knocking them out one at a time throughout the day. Yeah. That's worked better for me to have a dedicated day to focus on that because at least for me, if I get an email from somebody that's like really long or even not even really long, moderately long, they've put time into writing and I'm not talking about like businessy stuff. I'm talking about like somebody wrote me a message to say something if they spent the time to write it, then I want to spend the time to read it and respond in kind, right? Like I want to put some effort into it, not just be like, yeah, thanks, send. Because that would get through the email really quickly, but then I would feel like a jerk that didn't really read. So, Should I feel um, like a jerk? Because that's exactly what I do. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, no. <laughs> I try and distill every no, but like down to like seven, seven or ten letters, not even words. Trying to still every yeah. <laughs> so you just your entire reply is an acronym. Like, yeah, yeah. I just try yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you got to figure this one out. Good luck. Figure it out. F I G U R E. No, I just try and say, "Yep, that's good." Send. Agreed. Send. Thank you. Send. Okay. Send. Yeah, and 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 that works for a lot of things. Yeah. But I find throughout the week that if I get an email that is bigger and somebody took the time, then I want to give it time. But I don't have that time during the week. And so by putting it all in one little lump, I can spend 15 minutes on Friday morning and just say, like, I'm actually going to read it. I'm actually going to think about what they said. I'm actually going to think of a useful, helpful response. And then I'm going to write that response. And that takes, you know, a little time. So not trying to break my midweek flow to be 
attentive to those emails uh, has been really helpful to me. But <laughs> anyway, let's talk more about email. It's fun. <laughs> For me, over the past couple of weeks, um, we've been working on stuff. We're we're finally ahead a little bit. We have uh, this week and next week's video shot. The following week's. I guess the following week shot and we're working on the following week, which is really cool. But it's that weird conundrum where I don't want to talk about what we're working on. It's going mm. to be coming out in a few weeks, mm. but Double I'm excited about it and I'm covered in sawdust. Give me a hit. Give me a hit. Oh, you saw it. You saw right. it. Well, I know. Give everybody else a hit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Right, everybody follow but me on Twitter on a, and on a... I will reveal it today at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but we're working on those and we're trying to get those projects out of the way because um, the kitchen renovation that I've been talking about is still, you know, kind of up in the air, but we're headed towards it. And so we're trying to plan all the different parts of that to not all of the different parts of it. That's going to take a long time, but to get it started. So uh, we're trying to get these projects out of the way so that when we get the final go for the kitchen, we can actually just jump in and, you know, get moving on it. What? Last night we did. You moved. see Jimmy's cup? I'm sorry, Bob. <laughs> oh yeah, I have seen that one. <laughs> if anybody follows Chris Zepp, it's Chris Zepp's cup. It says the world's oh, that's is machinist. So yeah, it's it took Zepp me off guard. It's a gift. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Bob. I if I didn't have to explain that cup to my kids, then yeah. I would probably get that cup. But me and Zepp are really the two worst worlds. Eatiest machinist. I just beeped. I just beat myself. Eatiest machinist. Yeah. <laughs> I think they can figure it out. Don't worry about it. Um. Oh, last night we moved uh, all of the hardwood flooring. So when we moved into this house, I bought enough hardwood flooring to do the entire house, even though I knew that we wouldn't get to it for a long time or whatever. So we've had over a pallet's worth and like, I don't know, a pallet, I guess, is maybe not a unit of measure, but a, a lot of wood in our garage downstairs because our, our driveway kind of curves up around the house. And so the garage opens to from the basement to the side of the house. So we had to get all of this wood up top, and it's been in the way down there for a long time. It's been, it's like right next to the paint booth. And so finally, after almost four years, we moved all of this wood up into the house uh, to because it's going to go in the kitchen, so to start it acclimating, and it's weird like something like that that's always been kind of in the way and just kind of like stuck there. Like, I don't know when we're going to get to it, it's always in the way. It's always like, I wish we had that space for this or that. And to have it finally moved, it feels like a big step. I guess it's not really a big step, but it feels like this thing we've been talking about for four years doing the kitchen is finally something has happened towards it. It's not just talk anymore. And at least we're a little bit closer to, to actually doing it. So it's getting to be exciting. I mean, it's going to be a huge project, but uh, my wife and I are spending a lot of time talking and thinking about it. And uh, that's, I would say that's challenging, but not in a way that like, I don't, I don't mean to denigrate my wife in any way. I mean that it's challenging because we have different opinions about just how a lot of th things are done and about how things should look. And so when we started into the process, we were like, okay, this is a chance for us to to learn a little bit more about like being a team on this and hmm. the give and the take of how this thing should look and act and be and cost and all those things. And um, 
you know, it's challenging to find a middle ground with somebody when you, you also want that person to have what they want, but we also have to find a reasonable middle on everything. And so, you know, there's a lot to the whole project, but I'm, we're both really excited about moving forward on it. So that's kind of the big thing that's been on my mind for the past couple of weeks. Um, don't have a whole lot of actual shop stuff to talk about. Actually, the thing I'm working on, I've messed up a whole bunch and I'd love to talk about that, but then that would give away what it is. But I've made some pretty significant dumb mistakes and had to start over and fix things. And I'll, That's so we'll the, talk about that. You're talking about it's the thing looking that Dave is going to reveal at 3 o'clock? <laughs> the thing that he's not going to reveal at 3 o'clock? Yes. <laughs> I think it looks good. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, you kind of had a, a topic of some sort, Jimmy, didn't you? I did. Let me turn the water off this faucet that's turned on by the ghosts. Hold on. Wait, what? Oh. How inconvenient. I'm in my kitchen. No, we have a a leaky old faucet, and occasionally the water pressure begins to turn it on, and it gets on progressively. And I'll come in sometimes, and the water faucet will just be going full speed. Because once it gets past, like, a little bump, (laughs) the water pressure just turns it full on. Yeah. It could be the ghost. Hmm. Uh, I was going to bring up the idea of... What what is your experience? I'm going to explain mine, but we can have a discussion on the idea that there there's been a few ideas this week, in particular uh, the the knife, like the shark's tooth push knife that I'm making, and this leather bag. I made this leather bag this week, which is like a slot and tab assembly. And how often do you guys experience this idea where you have an idea? You're not super inspired. You don't really love the idea. You think it's kind of insignificant or maybe just flat out stupid. But you kind of say, let me just see where this goes. And you do the first step. And then you kind of, you you don't put too much emphasis on what's going to happen next until you get right to that point where you have to decide, okay, where am I going with this? And you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, baby steps, all the metaphors. And slowly you begin to become attracted to the idea. It's like you go on like your third or fourth date with this idea and you start to be like, all right, there are some redeeming qualities that I find attractive about this concept. And all of a sudden you begin to really like it. But if you edit yourself, if you self-edit and you'd be like, eh, that's dumb, you know, which is exactly what everybody would say. If you said, look what I'm going to do and be like, that's dumb. An example, this week I made this slot and tab thing. I went through my own personal uh, convincing of myself to give it a shot. It's an idea I came up with a really long time ago, over a year ago. I have it in my notebook. In fact, in the video, I'm going to go back to my original sketch where I first thought of it and show it. And it's nothing new. It's just applying something that's fairly common, but to leather work. And the idea of slot and tab. and, And everybody I've showed it to so far, I've showed it to the like, oh, that's cool. How is it going to stay together? And I'm like, the idea is that it stays together. And so the, the idea, that's why I say a lot of times, don't always extremely, don't always share your ideas right away. Like let them marinate a little bit until, uh, and it's, it's nothing to do with, don't, I, I'm a little confused on the point I wanted to make. Show your ideas when you can prove them in a lot of cases. If you know mm. what I'm saying? You know, like when you could prove it out because yeah. the doubt that you personally have on it is only going to be compounded by somebody else looking at it and going, how's that going to work? 
And you're like, well, I really don't know how it's going to work, but I'm already going, wow. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're kind of pulling yeah. you up out of the hole. And you're like, no, I'm going on a hike. They're like, no, 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 don't go down there. Like, don't don't put your insecurities on me. I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to be adventurous and see where it goes. So this leather thing, I showed it to four people this weekend. All four of them had the same. He's like, how's it going to stay together? That's not going to work. And I know it's going to work because I've already had tested it. And I was like, no, it's going to. And they're like, oh, okay. And they almost needed to, they almost needed convincing. Like they needed to touch it and go, oh, okay, it does work. Whereas like if they themselves were working on this project, they would have been like, that's never going to work. They thought I was trying to make an elaborate joint that I could then sew on top of. I'm like, no, 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 there's no reason to do that. This is the joint. They're like, oh, that's cool. But then you're going to sew that too? I'm like, no, I'm not going to sew it. Are you going to glue it? I'm like, no, I'm not going to glue it. It's going to get stuck together and it's going to stay together. And then until I actually had the sample, everyone's like, oh, now I see it. This is cool. So what's your experience with an idea like that? And I'm saying, like, I'm asking you guys just to open the discussion, but I'm also letting everybody who's listening know, maybe you got to give that hokey idea a second chance. Maybe you got to actually take a close look at it and say, you know what, this is stupid, but let me spend two hours on it and see where it goes. And by the end of that two hours, you might be on a diversion that is actually really attractive to you. And all of a sudden, you're someplace that you wouldn't have been if you didn't at least go down the path. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example that I have about what you're saying, and I don't think I have many, and I don't think that's a good thing. I don't mean that as like a, I don't have those. I think that's a bad thing, because I think that means that I probably... (laughs) You're too cautious. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think I I think down paths in my head, thinking that I'm I'm solving problems, and maybe I could be avoiding opportunities by... In my head, if I think, you know, like this thing won't work, so I'm probably not going to try it. I'm just going to go this other way. I could be missing an opportunity. That's really what I'm saying to everybody that's listening is that like, and I do it a lot. I mean, to be quite frank, one of the projects this week, the, the, the shark tooth knife is suggested by the client and I thought it was hokey. And I was like, you know what? It's hokey, but let me keep an open mind. And as I started getting into it, I started really, I, I like the idea now. I think it's cool. And it's, you know, I don't tend to keep secrets about my ideas, but it's this, this shark tooth knife that's on my Instagram. And Sunday, you'll see exactly where it gets put. And everyone's going to be like, that is the stupidest idea I've ever seen. But I think it's going to be cool. It's kind of like a James Bondy thing. So mm. I think it's going to be fun. Anyway, it's going to be good for the, the comment section. It's going to be uh, active. So that's going to be good. Anyway, <laughs> I... <laughs> I like uh, I like the way the idea is going, but when I first discussed it with uh, the guys over at Nick's Boots, I'm like, I didn't want to say no right away because I really practice the idea of not saying no when somebody tries to improv with me. When you're brainstorming, mm. don't ever say, "Oh, that's a dumb idea." Just go in your head. You could say that's a dumb idea, but outwardly, you go, "Okay, let me just think it through a little bit." Don't ever say that outwardly. Keep it in your head. Keep mm. the negativity inside. So when I was uh, brainstorming with the, the gentleman over at Nick's Boots and he said, he goes, I want you to have fun with this, but what do you think about this idea? I right away, I was like, that's stupid, but let me think about it a minute. I said, okay, let me, I go, it could be an idea. And then when I started working on it this week, it started to develop into something a little bit more focused. So long story short, give it a chance. I you might have something that you you don't see yet. I have a hard time relating to, to that 
on like individual projects. I'm going through my video list and I'm like, oh, everything is just so, this is an idea and I had that I executed it. But I can relate very much so in terms of music because I might have this like, I might hear like a guitar riff or a, a, a programmed beat. I'm like, oh, let me see if I can try to do that. And I do that and I'm like, oh, that, I like my version. And then my version turns into something completely different. And then you can build on that very quickly. And I don't write songs as much as I used to, but uh, I, I I do remember having like this single little seed and then it turns into something completely different that I get super excited about however long I'm working on that for a day or so. And then I, and in a broader uh, way of looking at it, I think I have that all the time where I'm like, oh, you know what? I need a miter saw so I can cut these pieces of wood to make picture frames. And then like, 10 years later, I'm a woodworker for a living, you know? Um, (laughs) That's true. On a broader scale, it's like, whoever thought, like, let me start making a couple of videos, you know, every few months, and then who knows where this is going to go. This can never be a career. This is stupid, but at least I could show off, and then all of a sudden, I'm in my third career. (laughs) And currently, I'm, you know, I've been studying this um, small engine building performance stuff, and at first, uh, you know, I, I know a couple of engine builders and I didn't want to tell them that I was doing this because I was afraid of the reaction of, well, yeah, that takes years of experience and that takes a lot of knowledge. You just can't just, you can't just jump into it. And I didn't want to hear that because I know that they know that they, they don't know how I think and how I become very obsessed with this idea and how much time I put into studying. And so uh, I think, you know, I might surprise a couple people uh, in my, in my circle of how much I actually do know and how much I did study. And it's just, and one of the things when I first thought a year ago and I'm like, you know what, maybe next winter I'll try to build my own engine. And then I got a little bit of information that was really overwhelming. I'm like, ooh, I don't understand engine math. This is really confusing. I don't like maybe I won't do this because it's it's too big of a rabbit hole. And then I got a little I got a couple of other pieces of information that kind of simplified it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. And then, you know, now I've got like a hundred hours of of research into this performance engine building stuff and I'm absolutely loving it. And I haven't been able to prove myself yet. Like I need, I need springtime to come around to see if this idea actually works, but I've been enjoying the process a lot lately. And it's just one of those little things. It was just like two years ago, I wasn't into go-karting at all. And now I'm building engines. It's bonkers. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so we just have to get out of our own way. Like in in that case, there's a, how do I want to say this? Like, that's an object that you're going to invest money into and, you know, getting the engine, getting all the parts. And so there's a little bit more pressure for you, I would imagine, a little more pressure to actually understand what you're doing before you jump into it. Because you could very easily, like, overbore something or Mm -hmm. whatever the case is. You know, you could ruin the thing and have to get a whole new set of things. And I think... I have that tendency to not jump into that type of thing where there's an investment that if I if I learn on the job with investment, then I'm probably wasting the investment, which is, I think, the wrong way to look at it. But I think that's how I look at it. 
Um, but I found more recently that like when I start with scrap material or, or, or I don't have a financial or big time investment into it, I'm far more just like it, I can experiment and just, if it doesn't go anywhere, if I was wrong and I don't actually have the, you know, the knowledge that I have or the forward movement that I thought I had, then it's not a big deal. Like, I'm trying to give a good example here of what I'm talking about. The other, we did um, these helmet hangers, have, you know, helmets that I've made and stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to hang them on the wall so that they wouldn't get damaged. And so I started looking around for the uh, way to, uh, to hang the helmet. I found one that was fixed and I wanted to make a variable one. And my my initial thought was to make it out of steel. And then when I looked at the, what the video would be for people, it was not going to be useful if that person didn't have some metalworking tools. And because of that, like saying, well, okay, I, I should figure out how to make it out of wood and aluminum so that other people have access to this thing. Because I'm thinking in my head, like anybody who's 3D printing helmets or making cosplay stuff, maybe they don't have a metal shop because that's maybe not the focus of what they do and how they spend their time and stuff. So let's make some, you know, a, a, another option something you could do with hand tools that changed what the thing was itself by changing the materials it had to work differently and so then in the video i made the wood and aluminum version and it didn't work as well it technically worked but just it didn't work as well but it didn't matter because i was literally using scrap that was laying around in the shop and so i didn't care at all that it wasn't what i thought i was trying to make it accessible and i think from that perspective, it did work. It was accessible for people who need that thing and have those materials, but it's not ideal. But that gave me the opportunity to prove why that one, that version didn't really work and then go back and make another metal one, which worked better, but still had a lot of room for improvement. And I think the interesting thing there is that like that experimenting on camera and even ending up with a product that was like pretty good, but not awesome it felt totally okay whereas i think if i had started and just said like this is the thing that i'm going to make i'm going to make it out of steel it's going to do this and i went straight for it and it didn't work i would have been like man i really missed it on this one you know like i I think the feeling would have been different that i had a purpose i had a goal and i just didn't get there but having to kind of go in a roundabout way and try different stuff with scrap i don't know it just felt felt a little different and then when I look at some of the bigger projects, things that I want to do, man, I wish I could just like, I wish I didn't have this thing about keeping stuff secret, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have these projects coming up that like, they're they're a bigger investment and they there's stuff that I have to buy. There's things that I have to make. And the further you get along in these things, every step becomes more disastrous. Like if you mess it up, it's a bigger deal the further you get into these big projects. And I wish I di- I had the same kind of prototyping mentality and kind of like, let's just figure it out and like jump in on these bigger investment things. I wish that that weren't really a uh, like a barrier because I think it makes me overthink things when there's that investment. So I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I think what, what, what you were saying, Jimmy, is like I tend to split those things into whether I've invested a whole lot of time or a whole lot of money into the materials and the thing to get started, or if I'm just using scrap, I tend to act differently about the process. It's funny. I I often, the older I get, and obviously uh, 
everything we spend is kind of production money, right? All the things we spend in the workshop, just the projects, the things we spend money on, the money we spend on project is all I like to justify by saying it's the cost of production. It's, you know, if I completely waste money and I put it in air quotes, because I personally don't ever think I've wasted any money or wasted any material, I always give it an alternative. So the example is when I bought 2000 razor blades to sell on my website, I said, if nobody buys them, I'm going to have 2,000 really cool business cards to give out. And, <laughs> and everybody laughed. And I'm like, that's what I'll do. I'll just give them out as business cards to you know people that I potentially might work with or whatever. And so the idea is, is like, don't think like, oh, I'm going to buy, for instance, that tube of brass that I used a few weeks ago and these little footlights that I made. A tube of brass is like $800. I bought it. Seven or eight years ago, I made a bunch of lamps for a client, and I, I bought that as a backup because I didn't trust my skills at the time. In case I screwed up, I was going to have that as the extra one. And I said, I'll turn it into something for myself if it ends up being leftover <clears throat> material, which it was. I've had it sitting around all this time, and I was able to make this video out of it. And I have other video ideas based on, well, lamp ideas, not necessarily videos, but lamp ideas based on that tube. And having it sitting around is getting my my brain flowing and it's not a waste of money. It's not, you know, don't ever think I'm thinking of a couple of people in particular who I know that are cheap and hopefully he could read between the lines and know who I'm talking about. Not you guys, a friend of mine who occasionally spends money and gets <laughs> big upsets and is like, wasted all this money. I'm like, you didn't waste anything. You just furthered your education. So don't ever think if you buy a piece of material or you buy, you know, a new tool and that it doesn't work out the way you want. Just have an open mind and think to yourself, okay, didn't work out for the reason I bought it, but now that it's here, what else can I make out of it? And I think it's really important, like the push stick and an, an example, these push stick kits that I've sold, we ended up buying a, a fairly uh, higher grade plywood for the trailers that we built over the summer and every single piece we made, we ended up with a 32-inch by 4-foot piece of this plywood that we couldn't use anywhere else in the project. We had a stack of 20 of them, maybe 25, 32-inch by 4-foot pieces. And I, as a joke, said to Aaron, we'll just turn them into push sticks later. And six months later, I started making the push sticks with the silkscreen logos on them. And we sold, we still sell them. And so the point of making is, is don't ever think anything is a waste Try, it's it's a mindset you got to get into and don't think that, all right, if I go down this path and it doesn't work out, this material can then be for that or this machine could then be used for that or I can give this machine to my my friend who can then learn a new discipline and then teach me about what I had the frustrating experience about and why why it's not a waste of time and money. So it's just a mindset. I wonder if you guys can relate to this at all, but when I was younger and I, and, and younger could have been four or five years ago, I, when I had a seed of this idea, I had a lot more mental time to work on that where now I have a, a whole notebook of ideas that I want to do. And so I think, and I'm just now realizing this during this podcast is I don't spend as much time developing the idea as I used hmm. to because I have so many ideas and I have so many things that I want to make that I think I'm just making stuff because that's the idea I had, write it down, execute it. 
another idea, same thing. And uh, I'm wondering if I need to just focus a, a week or a month or a half a year on, on, on ideas and let I them I think it's, a, it's an ebb and flow. It's an ebb and flow. I think there are some ideas we throw out there, some projects we do for the house and other ones that need a lot of focus. And it's almost, it's like keeping yourself on, it's like keeping yourself on the treadmill with the simpler ideas. So you're prepared for the big ones. I was talking, you know, mm. a couple of weeks ago about um, the idea of taking one day a month or, or some some repeating time and just focusing on going through the idea list and like kind of fleshing them out. And that might be a way to do that. What you're talking about is not necessarily take every idea and give it a day's worth of thought or whatever, but have a focused time that like all I'm going to do is go through my idea list and just try to like iterate, you know, just try to add a, a thing or think about what it could be. And so maybe that, you know, one day a week or one day a month or one day every six months or something would be that time that would let you just focus on it. Because it is super easy to have an idea and then the first version of that idea gets made simply because you are you have to move on to the next thing. Like, I mean, we're in the, I'll say, completely fortunate position that we get to make things on a really, really regular basis but that does limit how much time we can focus on each one of those things. And, you know, it can be super easy to devalue the thing that you're making about halfway through because you're already thinking about the other thing, the next one. And so, you know, I think trying to find a way to give them their due and let your ideas kind of like have breathing room to become their best is, is tough, but I think that's that's a huge thing. Another thing that I think contributes to all this is I'm also in a very fortunate situation where my shop grows, my tools grow, my skill set grows, and mm. it gets easier to execute those ideas as you upgrade your tools, as you gain more skills. And so there's less problems. And the I think beautiful ideas come from roadblocks and barriers and trying to solve these problems. And so maybe I need to make my ideas hmm. more complex i don't know but um as my tools grow it gets e- it's just easier to make things and speaking, let's take a little detour really quickly because this is on my mind speaking of tools you know how i've talked in the past about how my bandsaw like i just couldn't get it to track correctly and you guys have like you told me about getting a different blade a higher quality blade and this and that well the other day we're working on these projects and really need the bandsaw to do its job. This is a Grizzly bandsaw. No affiliation. I bought this thing years ago. And everybody <laughs> who doesn't like Grizzly stuff can yell at me while you're listening to this. I don't care. I bought this thing, and it's never, ever, ever done the job that I think it should do, no matter what. Now, I, I like the saw, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't have a beef against them or anything, but this one particular one, and I've seen other people that have the same one, and it works fine, and I don't understand it, and I keep thinking, well, I'm tensioning it wrong, or I've got some something, something, something. The other day, I go looking around, and this is after buying the blade that you suggested, a three-quarter inch, whatever the brand was, something wolf blade. Put that on there, and it still just drifts, trying to resaw something. I can't resaw anything at all. So, I'm like watching video after video about tensioning bandsaw blades and I go and I tension it and it's like dinging and it makes the right sound and all this stuff. I find this post that from this person like several years ago about the same model that says 
I never, ever could get this saw to do what I wanted it to do with the three-quarter inch blade for resawing because the structure of the saw itself can't support the tension that you have to put on to hold a three-quarter inch blade if you have a riser block. Now, this is the thing. This is the weird little thing. If you have the riser block, and I have a riser block that oh. I put right, right when I first got it. And so they were saying... If you're resawing with this saw, with a riser block, you have to go to a half-inch blade, and then you can add the tension that it needs to whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'll give that a shot, sure. Order this blade, drop it on. I don't have to track it. I don't have to tension it, anything. I put the blade on, perfect resaw. Absolutely perfect. Really? <laughs> and it's just one of the, yeah, it's so weird. And the, that particular situation... I just had to find somebody with that same situation to say, like, this was the solve. So I guess I want to throw that out there for just general knowledge. Maybe that'll help somebody else. But also that you were talking about tools being upgraded and stuff. I was literally ready to give the saw away to somebody and be like, hey, you can use this for cutting like firewood if you want to, but I'm going to buy a new saw. I'm going to spend more money on buying this thing that (laughs) I guess works better, but I don't know why. Now I understand why. The riser block that I added, which I'm now thinking about taking off, um, was creating a weak point in the saw. And so that's kind of on me. That's not on Grizzly. I can't say that that's their fault. Like, that's a thing that I added to the saw, and it ended up causing problems. So, I don't know. That's maybe not relevant, except that you were talking about tools, and we've talked about it before. That's good to know, though, because I can I can resaw things finally. (laughs) I didn't realize I just I personally I mean, everyone says I'm the band (laughs) king for one reason or another, but I personally never, ever like resawing anything because no matter what I do, it never typically stays straight. And then you got to plane it, surface plane it. So if I'm within limits of, say, six inches, I used to just go to the table saw. I just cut it from top and bottom and then I don't I don't go off course. I don't end up having to take off a quarter inch of wood to get to the bottom belly of some bad resaw section or or whatever. That being said, the big giant bandsaws that I have will resaw just about anything without any deflection. And, of course. Yeah. But I always forget <laughs> you I have can resaw those. other bandsaws. <laughs> I can resaw my bandsaws. I forget that I have those. Uh, I haven't I guess I'm trying to think with the last time I resawed something big, I did cut like a fourteen or fifteen inch piece of wood off of the face of the when I made those metal guitars in the early parts of the summer. Yeah. So that's funny. I'm having anxiety. Remember that me- I did this guitar with like metal features around it. I did it with my friend Stefan and he gave that to me in early February, which is just exactly a year ago. And I said, yeah, this will be done by like early March. And then COVID kicked in and I used it as an excuse to push the job off over and over. And like, I finally finished, like, I don't know if you look at that published video where I made a guitar and I ch- transformed her from this black painted guitar to this like metal breathing dragony looking thing. I finally think I delivered it in like May or June. So that's I just have a little, little anxiety flashbacks because oh. I remember thinking like, yeah, I said, oh, yeah, no problem. I thought it was going to be one of those things I would do in like a couple of days. It took me weeks to finish that thing. That metal work was just unbelievably stressful for me. But I got through it. So... I just had this thought, and I, and I could be I could be way off, but I have a big 17-inch bandsaw, and I have a 
big blade on there and I don't have any problems resawing. I only use that one blade on there and I have to replace the blade as soon as it starts to drift or um, I see any kind of burning, I get into blade. So it's about once a year, maybe year and a half, I replace the blade and it just, it cuts like butter. But as I'm studying engines, engines, um, their volume efficiency works different at a lower RPM than a high RPM. And I'm wondering, I want if the bandsaw, it's a 220 volt, so it's super powerful. Um, I'm wondering if like when you put a load on that bandsaw and if it's underpowered, hmm. it might deflect the blade. But once it gets going, it's, it gets back up to its normal torque and speed and it's fine. But you've already created this weird variance in there where the it's something slow flexing, approach and then the rest of your cut is ruined. So I'm wondering if there's a huge advantage. Yeah. If there's a huge advantage to having the 220, where it's it's always at that same. I can I can testify that having things with three phase and more power. I said it once on the Fitzall podcast: is my goal in life is to have machines that never stall, and I'm getting closer to that. Like I'd rather like rip my glove off than stall, which is obviously dangerous. But Mm. making the ice picks and you know going through (laughs) the making all kinds of things in the shop and doing production and trying to get that polish or that sanding you need. It's so frustrating when things stall. Like it is, it's just mm. super frustrating when you're in the middle of cutting something in the blade and the, and the motor just goes, oh, I got to take a break. And then you're like, come on, dude, you said you were going to do this with me. And then, <laughs> nope, I need a break. So having <laughs> machines that are basically have like a complete consciousness of their own and like they're, they're there to exist. You just happen to like enter their life and be like, I'm just going to like, it's like going to a river and like taking a little bit of water out of the river and then going away. These machines that just never stop. You just have to be super cautious of them. Does that metaphor make sense? Such, and totally. I, that totally makes sense. I just never, ever, ever would have thought of that. No, it's like I go up to like, That's pretty awesome. I go up to the 36 inch disc center and I'm like, Hey, how are you? It's like feeding a rhinoceros. I'm like, okay, how you doing, buddy? Okay, I'm going to use you now. Careful. Don't step on me. Don't rip my hand off. Okay, cool. Thank you. Have a nice day. And I walk away. You know, it's just having respect for your tools. The ones that are super dangerous. Uh. <laughs> exactly. The, the ones Not that deserve respect. Wimpy. Thingy dingies. We've run into the thing for the first time recently where um, I want to have more 220 circuits since we're talking about that. Like we have one circuit in the shop and it's, we have several things plugged into it, but intentionally things that never run at the same time. We have the the dust collector for the woodworking tools, the CNC, which has its own 110 dust collector, and then both of the welders. And I feel like there's something else. Bridgeport, maybe. Anyway, those tools are all plugged in because they never get used at the same time. But the other day, we had the CNC running, and we did need to run table saw, which needs the dust collector. And so it was the first time where I was like, oh, hmm, maybe we should, hmm. And then now I'm thinking about, like, running more power. And my boxes are starting to get full. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure that out. But And then we're about to, you know, with the kitchen, we're going to have to add, like, a 220 up into there. Um, so we're gonna have to be adding more stuff anyway, but so it'd be nice to have all two twenty tools. But yeah, I've got uh, I've got one. <laughs> I got one two twenty in my shop, and the table saw 
the bandsaw and the joiner are all on that same circuit, but it's with knowing I'm the only one that ever works in the shop. I only run one of those tools. Yeah, at, I mean, that, that works that time, out for the most so. part, but I think in this particular case, we just happen to have two things running. I don't think that will continue to happen very often. Um, well, I derailed us totally from our conversation. Anything else around the the whole ideas and, you know, letting things go down a path? I would just say, you know, like uh, sometimes you just got to give it, give, here's the show title. Give that bad idea a chance. So it doesn't. Oh, it's, the show title is, it's like feeding a rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think the cool thing about this particular topic and how I got started is Jimmy's not ready to say what project he's working on that started this conversation, but the idea was somebody else's idea. And instead of you saying, no, that's a dumb idea, you went with it and turned it. And then you said it turns into a good idea. So um, it's a really good habit to not jump on and say, no, that's a dumb idea to somebody else's or to use, instead of trying to come up with your own ideas all the time, to use those parameters and those limits of other people's thoughts or other well people's. i have a little bit of a selfish thought there i'm like well if this idea turns out to be super stupid i could just say they thought of it no i mean honestly the idea began to grow on me as i worked on it but there there is there is that uh, and it's something i don't think everybody's conscious of is when you're brainstorming everybody gets attracted to their own thoughts and ideas and if you're in a collaborative effort, like this is obviously with an advertiser, you really need to make sure and consciously decide to keep an open mind. You know, when I'm just brainstorming alone in my blacksmith shop or making something in the metal shop, and I'm like, this is just me and there's nobody here to tell me what to do. But if somebody walks in and goes, that's really cool. You know what would be cool if you went? And I go, mm, mm, he's right. Yeah. He's right. Mm. And then you go with it, you know, <laughs> but sometimes we're egomaniacs, including myself mm-hmm. and everybody where you're like, no, I'm already on my own path. I don't need to hear your idea. So I think we just, mm. we all generally just have to keep an open mind and, you know, share the, share the open platform to brainstorm. I, I heard this somewhere recently and I, somebody will probably remind me cause I can't place it, but uh, there was conversation about collaboration, about teamwork and about, ideas and stuff and it was always or it was talking about responding with yes and so if somebody says here's my idea instead of being like good or okay then you say yes and because you're trying to draw out more from somebody and this would I mean it would also work with just I guess improving communication Mm -hmm. between people but you know trying to get people not not to just cut some off cut someone off and say like that's your part but trying to like draw more out of them or get somebody else to add more to an idea that it's already existing. So I think you could kind of do that to yourself in a way, you know, or whether the idea comes from somebody else, like you're saying, David, or comes from you, rather than letting the first version be the version that gets made, you could always look at it and say, that's a cool idea. And what, you know, and then just keep doing that until you can't do it mm-hmm. anymore. And then you've, you've gone really far down a path and you may have to back up and pick a different branch to do that on. But that's probably a good way to kind of further an idea within yourself or from somebody else. So you guys got anything else on this? 
I mean, oops, sorry. Looking for my video. Getting ready. My oh, suggestion. Okay. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters who are awesome. Big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out, uh, especially our top supporters: Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting. You can make this too. Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Corey from Make Shape Create, and Odin Leather Goods. But there's a huge list of other people that also help us out, and we are thankful for every single one of them. Um, I'm going to shout out a person on that list this week that I haven't talked about. Rupert Cloffer. Klopf, I don't know how to say your last name, Rupert. I'm sorry. But he's one of our other supporters that's not on that top list, but we're still thankful for him. Um, they all get the after show at every level. Everybody gets the extra little bit of us talking 15, 20 minutes of secret stuff and after stuff. And if you want to join that or just help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it. We would appreciate it. I don't have anything to recommend. So you guys go. Mm-hmm. You want me to go? <laughs> I'll go. I got my Uh-oh. pick. Uh, there's an Angles Coach Shop. It's, sure. It was a suggested video to me. Angles Coach Shop. He manufactures big, giant wagon wheels. And it was this great video. It's got 5 million views. It's from last year. He builds a 1,000-pound wagon wheel for a chandelier. So he makes two 1,000-pound wagon wheels, and he kind of does it with... The video starts with the hub already done, so I didn't go backwards in time, but in this video, he completes the spokes and the actual wheel. And it's so practical, you would assume that making a wagon wheel is this various complex methodology. And I guess it is if you're not practiced at it, but watching an expert do it, it just completely demystifies it. And uh, the other day, me and Willie were having coffee and I clicked on the video and it's, it's a long video. It's like 35 minutes long. And we watched the entire thing to the very end in like amazement. And I had 10 other things to do, but we watched it to the very end. And as soon as it was over, I'm like, I'm going to go make a wagon wheel right now. So... Maybe you will too. I already made my wagon. <laughs> That's my secret project. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Not kidding. Kidding. Not kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you got, David? Uh, I don't know how many people will be interested in this video, but it was. I watched it and I was like, this is just an amazing conversation. The video is called Ninth Wonder and Bob James in conversation around sampling and getting sampled. So it's a music based video, and there is this jazz composer, musician, Bob James. He is the most sampled musician in the world. He's been sampled more times um, in the hip-hop world. And there is this producer, Ninth Wonder, and they are having a conversation about sampling. And it is just, it's so it's two different generations, two different genres of music, and it's just a really, really lovely conversation of how Bob James, um, his his uh, stance on sampling has evolved over the years and how he has changed and how he is open to this and how he understands that it brought in this new audience. And I don't know, it's just a really, really good conversation and just makes you feel all warm and gushy on the inside mm-hmm. after after watching it. So. Cool. Uh, mine is maybe really specific, so sorry. <laughs> but I we have uh, trusses in our roof of our house, and my wife has always wanted to vault a ceiling in one of our rooms. And I knew enough 
to look at a trust and be like, there's no even remotely simple way to fault that ceiling. Just because, I mean, the, the way the trust works, is like you can't just take it all out. And so the other day, knowing that I wasn't going to do it, I was curious. I know it can be done. So what's the process? And I found this video. And basically, it's a guy, I guess he's a builder of some sort, but he has a SketchUp model of this barn or this building with a truss roof. And he goes through the process by changing the model to show how you would go about putting a beam up and taking out the truss. And it absolutely proved my point that like, this is a thing I will never, ever, ever do. And I, it would be so much work, but it was really interesting to see the process and to just hear him briefly talk through, you know, how you would go about reinforcing it to be able to cut out the right stuff, to be able to put in the beam, to be able to reinforce the beam before you go to cut out the entire thing. And man, it would be such a hassle. So, but it, it's an interesting thing to walk through, especially if you're looking at doing something like that, or if you're looking for a reason to tell somebody that you love that you cannot vault a ceiling, here's a pretty good proof as to why you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's a future topic in that learning things that you have no intention of doing. I and think what's there's the probably a lot of benefit. That? Yeah. Write that on a cloud so we don't forget about it. I'll write that down <laughs> because we did get a comment about us never coming back to those topics. It's up How there. about this? How about for next week? How about this? How about for next week? <laughs> true. Along with our postcards that we all have to design for next week. How about we all come up with one thing that oh my we gosh. don't need to learn and we learn something little about it so that we can tell each other about it. Something, any, any task. We can do that, right? Oh. Okay. We have to, yeah. we'll, we'll have to do a text reminder. I'm going to say to learn track. Okay. one useless thing. <laughs> Not useless, but like something we wouldn't actually use. <laughs> so we will try to figure that out. That'd be a good topic. And we can just like teach each other about it next week. Okay. Um, you guys yeah, got anything else? Fun. For this show? No. Oh, I think we're good. We're good. For this we're show? Good. Okay. No. Cool. Well, um, thank you for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you too. Cheers. Aww.